What's up, people? It's your favorite podcast duo back again. I am one of your co-hosts, Alex Newt, joined by my other co-host, Josh Copeland. Tonight, today, this morning, whenever you're listening, I don't know, but we have a very special guest joining us, actually, from uh, our co-host, Josh, uh, hometown to be exact. Um, her name is Jamie. She will uh, be telling her story tonight. She is a former absolute stud basketball player from Ohio. Um, she is now a published author uh, teaching us everything on uh, you know, life, healing with depression, coping with anxiety, dealing with life as it is. So uh, I don't want to take up too much more time. Her story speaks for itself, and uh, you guys will hear this throughout the podcast tonight. So, Jamie, uh, thank you for joining us today, and uh, welcome. Of course. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I don't know if they said hi back, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, Jamie, thank you for joining us. Um, this, this, is, this is very special because it's not many times you get people that that you know and that that you kind of grew up around and, and from the same hometown. Uh, but talking to you about a month ago, uh, when we kind of talked and I told you I wanted you, you know, to be a guest on and you shared a little bit of your story, I was kind of mind blown, really, um, because it, coming from a somewhat of a small town, like you, you know people, but you don't really know people. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like you don't know the backstory behind what makes them tick and why they are the way they are, uh, whether it's mm -hmm. family reasons or whatever the case. So when to hear you share your story, I was really like surprised, but also excited that you were able to, to find your voice and, and share what happened to you. Um, so let's let's kind of dive right in. Let's kind of dive right into it. Um, one thing that shocked me, you can talk about why, but you were obviously a, a, a great basketball player in Fairborn and you were a great basketball player in college, but you kind of didn't like basketball. So what kind of led you to basketball in the first place? And then why that that transition to like not liking it, but you also had a lot of success at it. Whoo, child. Um, I know that that's that's a lot to unpack. Right? Whatever way you want to go. Um, <laughs> I do start I do starting heavy today. Oh, yes. you know, right to it. Right to the Damn. point. So laid yes. the fire with the not even, not even like a not even a feeder, not even a feeder question. Just hold no, just go. Right, right to it, dog. Right to it. Hello, world. She hates basketball. She's gonna tell you why. Um <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like just, 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 just get right to it. So um, I was a chunkier, chunkier girl uh, when I was younger, you know, five, six, baby fat, all that good stuff. And, you know, my mom was a runner and she was real fit and she was not about having fat kids. It was like not her thing. And so I tried every sport in the town at the local YMCA downtown. I was like gymnastics, too big for that. Um, Try some football, try some soccer, and I, I tripped over the ball and didn't want to play that no more. And um, I didn't want to be a cheerleader because, you know, just that wasn't in my DNA. And my brother played basketball at the local YMCA, and I was seeing him play, and I was like, oh my God, I get to run around, play a sport, and like bully these other little girls. And I didn't like it <laughs> at the YMCA because they were so mean to me in kindergarten. I was like, well, forget this. And so I started playing ball, but it was kind of one of those things where it's like, you have to do something, Jamie, because you need to be fit or need to be healthy or whatever. And I chose that because I saw my brother playing it. And, and that was that. And, you know, at the YMCA, you play a ball and it's fun. You're playing with co-ed. I met, I still have friends to this day. So that I met playing when I was six. Um, but then as time went on and I started to grow and actually get good at the sport, it was almost like a demand that I, or like an expectation that I was going to play because I was good at it, even though I never actually liked it. Um, no. Go ahead. No, yeah, real quick. Did, did you put that demand on yourself or was it like put on from like your mom? Was it put on from like, you know, family members or was it like yourself putting pressure on you? Um, at that age, it was definitely put on by my parents. I don't think that I was able to register with like self 
expectations were at six or at nine, you know, but um, definitely by my parents and then, you know, like coaches and just like, you know, the the parents of other teammates, like, oh, Jamie's a beast, Jamie this, Jamie that. And, you know, just as you play a sport, the town, as small as it is, starts to develop expectations. So when I was, you know, 10, my dad had already bought me a high school varsity letterman jacket with the expectation that I was going to make varsity as a freshman. He was going to put the patches on, on the jacket. And I had it at 10 before I ever entered high school. Um, and he would dry clean it and do all this other stuff. And he's like, well, you're making varsity. So I'm just going to buy it now. Um, and, you know, when I had spoken about not wanting to play, it was like, well, you're so good at it. You need to, the team needs you, we need you. And you know what I mean? So then the expectations just grew. Um, And I also felt as if my performance in basketball, because I was so good at it and people wanted me to play it, when I performed well, I was showered with love and affection and good jobs and, and nice dinners at home and things of that nature. And then when we lost or when I played bad, it was like crickets. And so I started to realize, or I guess maybe feel like me being good at basketball was my ticket to love and validation. And when I didn't have a good game, then I didn't matter. And so at the age of maybe 13, 14, 15 and into high school, I put the expectation on myself that I needed to play because it was my source of relevance in a town that I don't necessarily think would have cared about me if I wasn't good at basketball. And yeah, that's oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I was <laughs> no, there's there are other things that happened that we don't need to get into that were outside of basketball. And when I told people or said certain things, it went it fell on deaf ears. And so literally it was like my only relevance felt like it was basketball. People knew who I was, people wanted me to perform. I was expected to be this, this star athlete in high school and to, and to go to college. And, you know, it was just my identity. Nothing else really mattered about Jamie except the fact that she was a good ball player. We needed her to show up and perform. Yeah, I think I think um, a lot of times what's lost, especially at a young age when you're uh, a young athlete and you're, you're really good at a sport is that a lot of times people don't allow you to be a person outside of that sport, right? They don't allow you to develop as an individual that's just you in that sport. So your value comes tied up into your productivity in that sport, right? Like, like, like that, that becomes your self-value that becomes your self-worth. Um, mm-hmm. So, so that, that's, that's always tough. Cause as, as a kid, even, even into my twenties, I could not like, it was hard for me to balance. Right. So as a kid, how did you, how did you get through those times? And like, how, how was it mentally for you when, when you said like, you know, you, you had good dinners and when you played well and people recognized you, but then when you played bad, it was crickets. How did you feel during those times? Um, awful. I started self-harming at the age of 12, just because I didn't, I felt like I was just doing what everyone else wanted me to do. And I wasn't happy and I wasn't coming into my own and living my life. And I felt like I had to just do and be. And so I started self-harming. Um, and I would self-harm before school, after school, there were in high school, it was during school. It was just like all the time. Um, so I, I honestly wouldn't say that I coped with it. Um, I was miserable. I was very unhappy, like the entire time I was in Ohio, really, like from 12 to 18, I was just a miserable individual. Um, and, you know, I was, I was smart and I did a bunch of stuff. So don't get me wrong. I got whatever I needed. I traveled, I did stuff, I had friends, but to feel like your identity is rooted in this one thing Um, you know, I can remember games where I wasn't playing well and I would look up in the stands and my mom would shake her head and she would get up and she would leave. Or, um, you know, you'd have a bad game and you go to school the next day and Jamie, what happened? I'm like, what the hell? I didn't lose a damn game. What do you mean, Jamie, what happened? (laughs) It's a team effort. But, you know, you go to, you know, you know, you go to high school and it's like, well, what happened? Well, if you would have made, if you would have whatever, it's like, okay, the loss now falls on certain individual shoulders. But, 
you know, the sights of my mom shaking her head and leaving or, or yelling at me to rebound or telling me that, you know, uh, we've lost because I should have tried harder and things of that nature. I'm just like, there's too much pressure on me to play a sport. Like, right. what about the things that I like to do? What I, I used to love playing the viola. I loved it. I was in the orchestra for as long as I can remember. I loved it. And my junior, senior year of high school, when those two things started to overlap, I was made to quit orchestra and play basketball. But if I would have the choice, I would have quit basketball. I didn't want to play. Um, I didn't even want to play in college. I was going to go to a school away from Ohio and like Montana, which was a terrible idea. So I'm glad that didn't happen. But that was what I thought <laughs> at 17. And it, it was like, no, you have to play. If you don't play, you're not going to get, you, you know, you need, to, you need to get a scholarship. You're so good. Why would you waste your talent? And I was like, well, damn, I can't, you're right. I can't waste it. And that's how I got to St. Francis. I signed a letter of intent in tears because I thought I was supposed to go play and New York was a cool city. Yeah. <laughs> and it was not Ohio. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, like Cope said, you know, when we were talking to me, like, I mean, I can relate to your story in a lot of ways, you know, fortunately, like I didn't have like the, the pressure from the parents like you did. Um, but I put the pressure on myself to like be perfect and stuff like that. And I, I mean, I hated football, especially once I got to college. Um, mm -hmm. I, I stopped wanting, I, I went to school 15 minutes from my hometown, but I stopped going to my hometown. Cause like, I just wanted people to like ask how Alex was and all they ever asked me about was football, football. Yes. football. And it literally like, it would start driving me crazy. Um, but yeah, like I, I'm saying that like you could ask Cope, like people like would literally th thought I was the saddest kid in the world because before practice, before game, I would sit in my locker and not talk to anybody. I would be miserable the whole time I was there. I would just do my work. And the second I was done, I was gone away from it. Just yes. wanted to be as far away as I possibly could. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, so I mean, I know like, yeah, like you just touched on, like how you said, like, you know, like the, uh, the viola is like something that you truly, truly enjoy doing. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, like you, you sit there and you want to be like, you know, what could have been, what could have happened, what I could have done for me. Like I truly loved volleyball. Like volleyball was my sport and I had to quit volleyball to play football. And that's what I, I always sit here and think like, what, you know, I, I look at the Olympics. I was like, damn, like, who knows? Like maybe I could have been in the Olympics. I don't know. Mm -hmm. like, but, um, you know, like it, it's, it's hard. So like almost getting like that part of your childness, uh, your childhood, you know, taken away from you. Like, how did you like, process like you know because it is like it's people like are dimming and killing your inner child um did you get to a point where you know like you were able to like find a little bit of that light again or you know like what happened are you referring to finding that light in basketball or just in my life in general no nah, just in life in general um definitely yes as actually within the last two years um since i've stopped self-harming completely i've actually been able to like talk to my inner child and apologize to her and let, and, you know, I guess reparent her. Um, but I've definitely found so many sources of joy. Um, I, I even play basketball like with my students so I can find enjoyment in basketball. I can't find the joy when it's competitive and when I feel like my value is contingent on performance. Yeah. Um, and even when I play like with the kids, people are just like, well, you don't like basketball, so why do you still play? And I'm like, I've been playing basketball since I was five or six. It's something that I'm so used to doing. It's it's like, it's, it's a habit. Um, it's yeah. like people who are like, oh, damn, I, I hate smoking. And meanwhile, they're puffing on a cigarette. Well, I can't quit. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's honestly how basketball feels to me. And I am good at it. And it's also, it's a way in. So I've, I've noticed that even after, we'll get to college in a second, but even after college, you know, like Cope was saying, or no, I'm sorry, like you were saying, Alex, um, people always want to say basketball, basketball, basketball. Um, and so as an adult, people are like, oh, you play ball? What was that like? And it opens doors. I have my job now because I played ball with somebody and they were like, oh, you have a dope personality. You would be great at X, Y, Z. And I'm like, oh. It literally opens doors. I don't have to know anything about anything or know anybody. People here, I played basketball division one college, and all, they want everything to do with me. Yeah, no, it's yeah, it's the old like blessing and a curse. Like yeah, uh, right. Like for yeah. me, instead of instead of 
for me, like I didn't self-harm, but I started taking painkillers and got addicted to opiates. You know, that was my culture. Mm. I, I can relate to you in a lot of ways there for sure, Jamie. Yeah, I think so. And and I mean, you, you touched on a whole bunch. And I think that's that's so crucial, like the inner child, because you're right. Once you guys touched on it, once your childhood is kind of like taken from you, you're not allowed to to do the things that you wanted to do as a child it's tough to to kind of do that and come back to that as an adult um but we're going to touch on that in a second but so so i knew you in high school and y'all had a great team uh really good sure team did. in high school yeah mm -hmm. y'all had y'all had a really really good team in high school um so what led you to saint francis like what did you have any offers what was that recruiting uh like and and because I have my own recruiting stories you know but mm -hmm. Nukes has his so like how was recruiting for you and what led you to pick St. Francis so I our our team junior and senior year of high school was the bomb off the court on the court personalities I'm just like yo I love them like they just the bomb um and our one of our assistant coaches actually started to like make um, like our starting five or in our six man or whatever, like, like the seniors really, um, like highlight tapes. And so he would upload them onto YouTube or whatever. And he would, he would make little CDs or whatever. And he would send them out to, to certain places, you know, that were looking at us and things of that nature that were asking about us. So I was like, that's really dope. Cause a lot of kids don't get that experience or get that chance for a coach to send out highlight tapes. He was really trying to get us into college. Um, Brian Smith, wonderful individual. And then, you know, I played AAU. So in the summertime, we were going on the super regionals and the tournaments. We made nationals every year on the team that I was on. And so there were always scouts around, like every summer, every tournament was always like, oh, let's go watch Ohio Lady Attack because they knew that he was recruiting good players. And after every game, it was, it was somebody was coming up to say something about somebody. And um, there was actually one game in particular. We were playing in Florida at the ESPN Sports Center or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was, it was so hot and I was thrown up on the sideline. The coach would call timeout. I would go throw up and I would get back in the game. Halftime, I'd go throw up. I was miserable, but I was busting ass. I was like, oh yes, I'm playing great, but I'm still miserable. But after the game, the woman that ended up being my coach at St. Francis handed, handed me a napkin to wipe my face because there was like some puke on it. And she was like, we want you to come to St. Francis. I was like, go talk to my mom as I'm like barfing in the, in the, in the, in the Thingy majiggy. Um, so that's how I got recruited. She was you impressed had, with my you hustle. Jordan, <laughs> you had a Jordan flu game moment and I did. got recruited. I did. So that's what's I had up. A, a Kobe Achilles moment, Jordan flu game yeah. moment. And <laughs> she was like, well, we like your husband. We want you to come play. And I was like, all right. Um, and that's, I guess, how it transpired. And then, you know, there's the phone calls and the visits and things of that mm -hmm. nature. But um, and I had a couple other offers, you know, via the mail, you know, all those people want, to, want you to come to their camp, and want you to do this, and want you to do that. Um, I had a partial from for Michigan, University of Michigan. Um, I had a partial to Harvard, and that that's a whole different story on its own. Um, I had a full to New Hampshire, and then like a full to Urbana, and a couple places in Ohio, but New York was just so appealing, and it was far away. And I was like, you cannot get to me if I don't want you to get to me. Right. um it's a big city and you know people in Ohio love New York like oh New York City and I'm like yo if I can make it in New York I can make it anywhere and it was just so dope that I was gonna leave and make it out of Fairborn and get to New York City and so that's ultimately why I chose St. Francis I had other full ride offers but I was like I don't want to go to New Hampshire I'm like are there black people in New Hampshire I don't want to do that <laughs> right <laughs> mm -mm. right <laughs> So. Yeah, nah, that 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 that's a factor, but people don't realize like that that everything that you said is, is a factor, like how far it is away from home. If you want to be far, we want to be closer. Um, if there's people of your same skin color, like that, that all plays a factor. So you get to you get to St. Francis, and mm -hmm. do you like start right away? Were you a four-year starter? Because I know you like a thousand point scorer, you balled out. Um, but how was it right away? And what was that transition like coming from a smaller town and then going to the big city? Oh, when I got to college, I realized that everybody is a big fish in a little ass <laughs> pond fighting for space. Yeah. 
And I actually did not start. The first six games of my freshman year, I did not start. I barely played. Um, There's this one girl, I cannot stand her to this day. Anyways, she started over (laughs) me. And there was one game where I think she hurt her ankle or whatever. And the next game I started, you know, I was, I guess her backup, whatever I started. And just, you know, I had like, I think 25 points or something ridiculous. And the coaches were looking like, what the hell? <laughs> and I started every game since then. Um, it was like I was waiting for, I don't know, my time to shine, my debut. I'm, I'm not sure. But as soon as they put me in, I started and I got my chance. I ran with it. Because I'm like, you know, I'm not, you know, from high school, I'm not used to sitting nobody's bench. I'm used right. to being, you know, the best player, if not one of the best players. You know, I know my role, things of that nature. And I was like, oh my God, I'm really out here sitting in the bench. Like people are watching on TV at home and I'm just sitting here like, <laughs> yeah. well, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> so yeah. so you, was, you, were used, you were used to being like the girl, like, you know, yeah. game winning shot, balls in my hand, this and that. And all of a sudden now, like you're sitting on the bench for the first couple of games and you're like, yo, what is life right now? Like what, what are right. we talking about here? Right. Um, and they were even like when I wouldn't score, it's like I knew I could rebound or I could play defense. So, and I'm just like, oh my God, I'm really not playing <laughs> at all. Yeah. <laughs> now, did so, like, you said, like when you had good games, like for me, like if I had a good game, like it actually made me almost feel worse because I just felt like I had to like be even better next time. Like, how, how was that like battle for you? Like, did, like, did it, you just put more pressure on yourself every time to perform better and better? Like, like, what was that battle like in your brain? So I learned this skill of, and I say skill in quotes, um, of down talking myself. One, because I didn't want the expectation that I was going to be just as good, if not better next game. And two, I didn't want, I wanted to beat someone to the punch before they could criticize me. Yeah. So I would often say, um, uh, oh, you had a great game. You did this, you did that. Uh, I did all right. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't play that well because I yeah. didn't want the criticism, but I also didn't want the next game to be like, oh, well, you had a great game this game, not last game. So if I were to play bad the next game, then it was giving you, oh, well, she said that she played all right or that she wasn't that good or that, you know, whatever, it automatically mitigated anything negative. And so if I said it first, then I wouldn't have to hear it. And so um, I'm not sure if I would feel worse, but I would just be like, I did all right. I did fine. Yeah, and no, people I, would can, say, I can really... oh, Go ahead. No, no, I was just saying I can 100% relate to everything you're saying right now. Yeah. And there were some games where um, – Okay, this is going to sound so bad, but I'm going to say it anyways. So my senior year we of college, we did the best we'd ever done, and we were literally on the road to making it to the NCAA champ- tournament. It would have yeah. been the first time for all eight of us seniors, and we were gunning for it. And there was a part of me that was sick to my stomach every time we won a playoff game. I remember telling one of my teammates, I hope that we lose. Wow. Like, And I just was like and part of me didn't want to lose because I'm just like you know once you're out there whether you like it or not you're competitive I don't like to lose period whether I like basketball or not I don't like to lose anything not even card games like no so I was so competitive but after games I would be like Fuck, we really just won like we got to go to the finals whatever <laughs> and when we made it to the NCAA tournament I'm like okay cool I get this big ass ring in a month but I was like I'm tired of this shit and at that time, I had partially torn the ACL. I had fractured part of my wrist. And all they were doing was just pumping me with pills and shots. And, you know, don't practice, but ride the bike. And I, they were taping up my knees and my, and my wrists. I'm just like, I am miserable. I'm in so much pain. And all they want me to do is play. No one gave a shit about anything else, except for the fact that I was able to play. And I was just like, this is terrible. I look like a mummy. They went as far as to buying me long compression pants to hide all the tape on my ankles and my knees so that people wouldn't know that I was injured. Jesus. I'm like, this is actually disgusting. (laughs) 
that, how, that's how, how so crazy. Get, yeah, how did you get through that mentally? Like, like, like I said, like for me, like I struggled and I just started getting high. Like, how did you get through it? Like, I know you, I know you mentioned self harm and stuff like that, but like, what else? Like, you think, like, how did you push through? So, um, I, I just was unhappy all throughout college, uh, in, in the basketball world, you know, academically I was fine. I was great, you know, whatever, but I was just like, Oh God, this is, I just hate it here. Um, but you know, I had a, I had a boyfriend at the time and I just kind of like used him as like solace. And I stopped staying in the dorms. I stopped hanging around with my teammates. I like didn't want anything to do with basketball. I didn't watch it. Nothing. Um, I even stopped seeing my coaches outside of practice. You know, before it was like, go say hi, go say bye, keep with them, whatever. I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to do with y'all. Um, and I actually tried to commit suicide my sophomore or junior year of college, um, like after a game. And one of my teammates found me and told my coach, and my coach was like, you can't play unless you go to therapy. And I was like, damn, well, I have to play because I can't afford to finish college on my own. Um and it was like the expectation. I didn't want people to know. Well, now everyone knows. Sorry, guys. But I didn't want people to know that like, oh, why is Jamie back home from college? Oh, because she tried to off herself in her dorm room. Like that just was not what I wanted people to know um, at the time. Yeah. And, and so I would just cry and just self-harm. And after games, my boyfriend at the time would be like, what is wrong with you? You guys just won and we just did this. I'm just like, because this is dumb. I'm like, I don't want to play anymore. Um. And I remember, you know, there would be times when good game, bad game, I would have whatever type of text messages from my, from my mom or voicemails. If I played bad, it was voicemails. If I played good, it was text messages. Um, and I just remember being like, I didn't want this in the first place. Like, people are so upset when I play bad or so hyped when I play good, and this is not what I wanted in the first place. People will, my mom will tell you to this day that I never wanted to play basketball in college. It was just not a thing. But I felt like I had to. I didn't think I was going to get to college any other way. And I did not want to stay in Fairborn. It was my only way out. Yeah. I didn't want to live with her. I didn't want to be in that town. I didn't want to be around some of the stuff that had happened to me in that town. And I wanted to leave it. It was my only way out. And I kept playing because I refused to go back home. So I would be at all the summer camps. I would come early to help the freshmen in June, July. I would work at the school. So I didn't have to, I could stay in the dorms. I didn't have to leave. I was the, the fear and anxiety I felt in that town trumped how miserable I was playing basketball and I refused sure. to leave. No, for sure. Uh, what, one more thing and I'll let Cope get us back on no, track. You good, bro. You um, good. Yeah, so, so I, 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 I attempted suicide, but it wasn't until like after like I was done with football, like after college and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, but when I was at my lowest, lowest point uh, during football, uh, it was my senior year, uh, my senior camp, right before, you know, my last season. Um, and I, I went to my head coach and I sat down in, an, in the office with him and I told him, I was like, listen, like, I'm really struggling. Like, I, I need help. Like, I need to go to counseling. Like, I just need like three days off, um, you know, and he, he kind of just looked at me and like laughed a little bit and said, like, you know, get it together. All you need is football. All you need is your football family. We have mm -hmm. Ohio State in three weeks. Like, get your shit together, basically. Um, it was kind of like at that point, like I said, all right, well, like, screw you then. Like, I'll just like go all in with the painkillers and everything. Um, mm -hmm. But was, was there a time that, that you did reach out for help, that you that you tried to get help? Um, you know, like, did you did you ever like like, you know, like realize like how bad it was, and you know, and just try. Um, yeah. So I also, I want to be very clear that a lot of the self-harm and the trauma didn't just come from basketball. There was a whole lot of other stuff that was happening around me and within me that mm -hmm. made things worse. And so, um, I actually saw a therapist when I was in college, um, I guess she's like a sports therapist technically yeah. and she was helpful in terms of like just letting me vent and then understanding like that athletes are just on a one track and that's all anyone really cares about especially in college and so she helped me sort of vocalize or um yeah I guess vocalize some of what I was feeling and then she validated some of what I was feeling. So I hadn't felt like I was validated before. That's a huge thing. Yeah. Um, and then 
something in my boyfriend at the time also clicked. And so he saw how miserable I was because it wasn't just like she's on her cycle, she's being dramatic, whatever. It was consistently that I was miserable. And yeah. he, um, you know, he shifted and started to be very understanding and affectionate for, for a short time. Um, and then I realized that the best thing for me to do was to stop associating with basketball unless I had to. So that's what I was saying. I literally would go to practice and leave. I didn't stay in the dorms like barely the last two years of, of college. Um, I didn't fraternize or associate with my teammates. I just didn't really want anything to do with them. There's like one or two that I still really like, but otherwise I didn't yeah. want anything to do with them. I didn't speak to my coaches. It got to the point to where whenever we would go on away trips, they used to pair us off and make, you know, everyone's in a room or two. They would actually put three girls in one room so I could be by myself because they knew that I would play and be like fine if I was left alone. So they just literally put me in a room by myself for every away game to make sure that I was okay. Cause I was just like, I don't want, I don't want anything to do with anybody. Wow. So I just isolated myself out away from basketball and like I got a job on campus and I made it to friends outside of the sport. So I wouldn't say that I sought help. Um, Cause I guess I didn't know what I was looking for. I was just trying to avoid basketball. <laughs> yeah yeah no no one more thing because like i'm like so interested by like this stuff right now um sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry but um now you said you saw a sports therapist right mm-hmm. um, now like did you feel like you know just for people like at home or like you know don't know this type of stuff did you feel like as a sports therapist like she was like truly like there for your best interest or did you feel like her like she was like focused on getting you back on the court and getting you to play basketball like that's a oh, no. that's a great point, bro. Because I'm sorry, but that like you see that a lot. You see it with it, whether it's trainers or whatever, they have kind of the coaches in their ear. And yeah. so they have like, you know, they tell you what what they want you to hear and what they think you need to hear to play and not really what's in your best interest. So I love that you asked that. Right. So the the we I had two coaches in college because my freshman year coach was the girl that recruited me. She ended up leaving and then we had other coaches. So when I saw this lady, um, my maybe freshman, sophomore year, um, she actually cared about my well-being. Actually, the coach cared about my well-being. She was like, you know, whatever you need, it's fine. If you need a break, if you need to go home, I was like, that's not what I need. I don't want to go home. I don't want to do that. Um, So the therapist actually cared about my best interest. She actually never spoke about basketball. Um, (laughs) You know, she actually helped me she gave me coping skills and like um helped me verbalize things and she would check in with me and she would even tell me like you know what like don't go to practice today you know like and I'm like really like, she's like yeah you know I can write you a little note or whatever she genuinely cared about my well-being and I can tr- I can truly say that she was the first person that I was like oh not the first person that was that was rude to people who were listening um she was one of the first people when I got to New York and I was having all these issues that I felt like really genuinely cared about me as a person and not me as a basketball player. I love that. Yeah, I think, I mean, you said so much and and it's crazy because a lot of times sports are an outlet for people, right? Like, like a lot of times you hear people like when I'm, when I'm playing, I forget about everything else, but to be, to, to have everything that you guys and Alex, you, you kind of, you know, you went through it similar, um, but to have everything you guys went through outside of sports and then to come to play the sport and not have the best uh, like relationship with it, but still have, be balling at it like that had to be so mentally like crazy but you like your senior year y'all y'all made it to the tournament and y'all played first round in the NCAA tournament Mm -hmm. um so talk a little bit about that experience like were you happy I know you said like you were wishing y'all were lost but y'all didn't and then you go up against like UConn um so talk a little bit about that leading up to that and then what that was like (laughs) afterwards was it like a sense of relief in a way but like talk about that so it's like a it's like a double-edged sword. So when you play in college, you're it's it's as if your whole goal is to make it to the big dance. It's like it's giving you we're not playing for nothing. We we gotta play, so we're playing. It, it's like the, the end, like the reward. 
were playing for the dance and it right. was my senior year and it was giving you this is the last chance and our team we ain't like each other but we had so much chemistry on the court it was beautiful um and so you know I did hope that we would lose because I was just over it and I was done but then making it it was like it validated my skills so to speak yes because Saint, Saint Francis is a, is a small D1 college so if I would have told someone hey I went to um I, I, I went to UConn or I went to Kentucky whatever we could not win a chip for five six ten years but everybody knows the school's name right right Saint Francis people be like oh what's that but then they see the ring and it's giving you oh we ain't never heard of that school before, but she got a she she went to the dance, she got a ring, she played UConn. You had mad people from Fairborn tuning in on TV. There were people who came from Fairborn, my high school coach, some of my friends who drove or took a bus to watch us play in the championship, in the conference championship that we won to make it to the dance. So you had mm-hmm. people who was like rooting for us, and it was like it validated all the hard work that I had done. And it was like, damn. I don't really like this sport, but who else can say they got a big old ring from going to the dance? You know what I mean? Right. It was like, an, of course, it's an accomplishment. Um, and so when we got to playing UConn, there was, oh God. <laughs> First of all, UConn is a different animal. So I was like, damn, like, we're about to go out like this. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, UConn, they, they different. They different. <laughs> Like this is so ignorant. Like they didn't have to do us like this. They could have given us like seat and hall, like a, whatever. But so when we get there, we we having a good time. We log out in the locker room. We all know we're gonna lose. There is no even that practice that day. He was like, "Well, we're going to figure out how to shoot because y'all not going in the paint." I'm like, "Yeah, I got blocked 15 times." I'm like, "You know what? It's fine. I got blocked by by Olympian. It's, it's totally okay." Um, so I actually enjoyed myself the most in that game because there were no stakes. We knew we were going to lose, so we was out there having fun. I was hustling because I wanted to. I had my little seven points. You know, I scored a little turnaround jumper, a little three, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, like, there was no expectation. It was like, yo, they made it. And we played that game because we wanted to. It didn't matter anymore when we were playing UConn. Nothing else mattered because if we knew we was going to lose. We didn't know by how much we were going to lose. But it's UConn. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it is UConn. Right. And it sounds bad to be like, oh, you went in with that mentality. But our tallest player was me. They told me not to jump in the jump ball against Brandon Stewart. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm just like, there were no stakes. And it was beautiful. And there's actually a picture of us on the internet where we look like we're miserable on the bench because we're like watching our, our backup, our, you know, our, our bench play to get the little exposure whatever but after that game we was all just in the locker room just like so hyped and happy and it was over that was probably the, the best game we lost by 87 points on the greatest time <laughs> that's 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 crazy that like that that at that moment that's when you felt like it was almost like a kid again, right? Like, like that's basketball in its purest form because you want to, even though y'all getting whooped. But this is like, you really yes. want it, you enjoyed it. So like, that's that inner kid came out when there's no stakes, you're just out there because like, you're just having fun. And that was like, that's beautiful. It's it's crazy how that is. So you you play that game and then you, you finish out your senior year. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, do you say like you, you had a, a pro contract somewhere? So like what led, how did that come about? And then like, what happened with that? So my senior year, I was getting all types of emails and phone calls and, and <laughs> Facebook messages and LinkedIn messages from all types of countries, France, Italy, Spain, Ukraine, Puerto Rico, Ecuador, all types of places. And, um, you know, I settled on France and I was like, you know what, I have all these offers. I really want to go to France, whatever. And I speaking to the coach and doing all this great stuff. And the boyfriend that I had at the time, remember him, flashbacks, he was like, we're not going to make this work if you go overseas. And I had been dating this man since I got to New York. Literally, it was like I got there in September and we started dating in like December of like months. But it's like I latched onto him. Um, he was six years older than me. He knew what he wanted. He wanted to settle down, move in together, all this other stuff. 
and I didn't go to France. And I ignored all the other contracts I got. And, you know, I, I, I had been sponsored by Nike, you know, and I had played in some of these little tournaments at West Forth and Dykeman and gotten a bunch of free stuff and some money and yada, yada, yada after college. But the overseas contract that I wanted to take, I didn't take because I'm a boy, which is so trash. <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, that, that, that goes into, I mean, that, there's so much, you know, you can go on so many different avenues with that, but that, that goes into like a lot of the, and not just in your case, but a lot of stuff that people do or don't do is for other people, right? Yeah. Like, like it's, it's for other people. And then, and then you build your life doing that. So then at a certain point, you really don't know what you like or what you want to do. Um, and then it's just done. Right. So, so now you, you, you didn't well, go over to seas. Well, uh, no, go ahead. Cool. Well, I was going to say too, and like, Jamie, like you get this, like, like, and like, you know, people listening, you know, probably don't understand like, like what their natural response is going to be like, oh, well, you hated basketball anyways. Like, why does it matter? Exactly. Yep. People would say the same thing to me. Like, oh, well, if you hated football, like, why was it such a big deal that you got cut from the NFL? Like, they don't mm-hmm. understand that, that, that mindset of the athlete. Like, you're still competitive. Like, even though I hated football and I didn't want to go in the NFL, it's still just as painful and just as hard to like turn that stuff down at the same time. Like athletes, like in our position that you live such a tortured like mindset, it's, it's hard. Yeah. And it wasn't even a matter of like, I am adamant on this because I love it and I want to go over there. It was just like, what are people going to think when I turn this down? Or are people going to think that I wasn't good enough to do it, even though I said no, or, um, it was, it was more of that. It, you know what it is? There's two things. And I'm, I'm realizing this now that I'm talking about it and now that I'm much, not much, but now that I'm older. First thing is I didn't want to be alone. I had left my mom's house and I had jumped into this man's arm the first chance I could get when I came to New York and we had dated the entire time. We literally broke up in 2017. We dated the whole time. Um, I didn't want to be alone. And like I said before, basketball was like my source of validation. So when I get this pro contract, it's like, you know, cool, doing this go overseas. And, you know, we know, especially how people in our town react when someone goes overseas. It's like they're, they're the only thing that matters at this point. Like, oh, look at so-and-so, look at so-and-so. We're going to retire right. their jersey. I'm like, what the hell? Right. Like, I was so good in high school. Like, come on now. But anyways, um, <laughs> and so it was more like a, I didn't take this. My basketball career is, at the time, it seemed like it was officially over. And I didn't know myself. I didn't like myself. So I'm like, what the hell else am I going to do? It was like, I, the one thing I was, it's kind of like a, what do they call it? Stockholm syndrome, where like someone gets kidnapped and they learn to yeah. like their kidnapper. That's right. what I thought about basketball. It was like, I don't like this, but it's the only thing I've ever known and ever done. So what the hell am I going to do now? Well, right. You go through it. You go through an absolute identity crisis. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know what I like to do because, you know, in college, you don't get to do anything else. We couldn't even major in certain things because it didn't align with the practice schedule. With the practice Someone schedule, you're yes. like, Right. So I'm like, I literally <laughs> do not know what I'd like to do because I'm not allowed to do anything. You cannot go skating because if you get hurt, it affects basketball. I can't play intramural sports because if I get hurt, it affects basketball. Mm-hmm. I couldn't drink. I couldn't smoke. Not that I really wanted to because that's, that's a whole different story. But even if I thought about doing something, I couldn't do it. So mm-hmm. when I graduate and I turn down a pro contract, I'm over here like, so now what? And everyone at the time, because mind you, I'm still in New York. I stayed here. So it's not like I relocated to another state and rebuilt. People have seen me on TV. I still live in Brooklyn. People are like, oh, so what's next? What's whatever. So the two years after I graduated, people are still asking me what I'm going to do with basketball. Yeah. It's like, it's it's like, like they, they, they don't allow you to... to be anything other than what they think you should be and so that keeps you in a a way it's like how do I become a person I've never been if people are keep bringing me back to who I used to be right right and like that's that's the tough balance that athletes and I mean really anybody who's done something for so long and that's who they they that's their identity um it's, it's tough to like transition so what was next like how did you 
do that or if you still battling with that? Um, so after I graduated, I went directly into my teaching career. Um, and even that, we, I was supposed to go to a school and do a demo and have an interview. They made everyone else do it. I told the girl I played basketball. We had a whole conversation and she hired me. I do no demo. I didn't know if I could teach. I was just like, what the hell? I don't know. That's about these kids. They're like eight. <laughs> like, oh my God. But here, here I go. Have a job because of basketball. Um, so I started my teaching career and I had a lot of healing work to do mentally from trauma, from other things. And I just disconnected from everyone outside of my professors and people that weren't affiliated with basketball. I stopped watching it. Um, I didn't, I couldn't go back to the college for years afterwards. They would invite me back for games. I'm like, no, 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 I can't, I can't do this. Um, and it also didn't help that I hated my coach, my second coach, but that's another story. So I started to use basketball to connect with kids because, you know, kids need something to respect. And oftentimes when they see a female and they're like, oh, I play basketball, they're like, uh-uh, and then you bust their ass. And they're like, okay, I'm going to listen in class now. Right. So I right. use basketball. <laughs> Even now I still use basketball actually as a way to connect. You know, when I first meet kids, I'm like, yo, we can play one-on-one, we can do whatever. And then I got them. I got them for the rest of the school year. Mm. Um, and I didn't play for a while afterwards. And I've actually just recently started playing again. I just played in the pro tournament. Matter of fact, it just ended. Um, so when I can have fun with it and when it's recreational and when I control the stakes, I can play ball and I can have a good time with it. I will not play super competitively. Um, people are still, this, this last tournament, I was averaging 40 points a game and however many rebounds. And people are like, oh, come play in the women's D league, come play overseas, come do whatever. And I'm like, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm going back into retirement. Cause I don't, I don't want that for myself anymore. Um, it also took me a while to get out of that workout routine. Then 5 a.m. practices and then weightlifting them two days was still in my system up until like last year. And so I'm now realizing that I like don't really like working out. I like to, to move my body and like have fun, but going to the gym twice a day and all them damn runs I was doing, I'm like, I don't like this. I don't want to do this. <laughs> I want to go skate and I want to go swim and I want to roll around and I want to like, you know, just go to Austin courses and, and do mud runs and all this other stuff. So I'm starting to realize that I like to be active because it's what I know, but I don't want to do it the way I was doing it. I'm finally yeah. breaking the athlete's habit. Yeah. You, you want to do what you want to do now. Like right. what you want to do for once. I mean, so I was, I was on your website. I was combing your Instagram. One, you look stunning. Number one, let me just, oh, thank you. Absolutely beautiful. Um, but you look happy. Like you genuinely do. You look happy now. Um, you know, which is so awesome to see. Now I'm going to give you a three letter phrase that most people know what it means. And I want you to tell me what it means to you. So what is GPA to you? <laughs> Growth, positivity, <laughs> and all the things. <laughs> Growth, positivity, and all the things. So tell, yes. tell us, tell, tell everybody, you know, that's, that's listening in, like, what, what does that mean? So first thing is, I am so happy in life. I just love the shit out of my life. I love it so much now. Um, and so GPA was something I actually developed. It, it makes sense because I'm also a teacher. But growth, positivity, and all the things was a mantra that I would tell myself when I start, when I stopped self-harming, I'm just like, okay, we need to develop better habits so we can grow. We need to be more positive. And then all the things just came from like all the things, like all the extra additives that I do. And that I say that just make me feel good. Um, and so I created the acronym for my brand as a teacher, but also as like a wellness coach. And it just brings me joy. Because all I really want to do now is just grow and like reparent my younger self. I'm so much more positive and so much happier. And then all the things, it's just like, you know, my affirmations and my manifestations and my, my goofiness and just all the things that add up to Jamie. Yeah. I have like a whole personality <laughs> that I didn't know that I had until like, like a year and a half ago. I'm like, yo, I'm the fucking, I'm the bomb. Like, I'm so cool. <laughs> but, I, but I was so... I was so miserable and grumpy 
and I allowed myself and even I, I was trying to make other people like leave me alone so I had this like this nasty energy like this facade about me but I'm just like ew I didn't need all that I just be like I love you girl <laughs> me to me <laughs> right. I, love I love it no, I, I love I love how how happy you are now and how and how you're in a good space uh, in your life, which is amazing and, and it's so great to see. Um, so tell people I know I know you're you're an author. What what do you have going on? Where what's the website like? Where can people find you? Um, and kind of yeah, talk us through all that. Oh gosh, you can find me everywhere. I'm everywhere. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so my website and. My Instagram and my Facebook is all Finding Jamie. Um, my website's FindingJamieLLC.com. And that's where you can find, you know, my books and things of that nature. Um, the first book I wrote was actually after I, I published it after I came out. Um, Jamie's gay. Hello. Um, after I came well, out. I was about to say, after... yeah, yeah, about to say let's, let's pause for a second. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, like, bro, uh, you, took, you took the words right out of my mouth because I was about to ask. Let's not just Go skip ahead. over that. Like, Go, hey, I know. No, you know, good for you. Congratulations. Go ahead. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> that's yes, a go ahead. That's, yes. <laughs> that's amazing. So, like, not not to take away, we'll add all your, 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 all your handles and stuff on this, but I yes. want to ask a question. Um, when, when you came out, was, were you like really nervous about it? Like, so what was that process like uh, for coming out and, and finally, cause you talk about like validation and acceptance. Um, what was that conversation like with yourself? And then when people mm-hmm. found out. So um, I've been in New York now for 10 years. It'll be 10 years, like what tomorrow or something ridiculous. So as I've been here, I've really grown into myself, into my womanhood, into my blackness, into all the things that I wasn't before. And I'm more confident in myself. And like, and, and, and as we were saying before, I know what I want now and what I don't want and things of that nature, right? So um, when I actually met my partner, I was kind of like, all right, this is it. Like, I didn't ask if she had a girlfriend. I didn't ask no questions. I was like, listen, like it, it is what it is. We've been together ever since. Um, and so, you know, I'm around a lot of people in New York. And so when I came out to the people close to me, it, it didn't phase them. First of all, some people were like, oh yeah, we, we figured that. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, we like, we've been known that. <laughs> right. I'm like, how did you know? And I didn't know. And they're like, mm, 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 I, uh, even my cousin was like, I was waiting for you to tell me. I'm like, what the hell? Um, so there was that factor. There was that factor. And then when I came out like to my, my parents, <laughs> my, <laughs> they're fine. They're, they're, it's just kind of like, oh, we don't really condone it, but like, as long as you're happy, but that's neither here nor there. I don't really care about right. that opinion. Um, and then honestly, to the rest of the world, I posted a picture and I said, Alexa, play, I'm coming out by Diana Ross. Here go my Alexa, that's not so my dope. business. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, wait, hold on. Oh, oh God, wait, wait. Love it, love it. Love it. Oh that my God. Is dope. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, anyways, <laughs> so that was my caption, and then I put it in my story on Instagram. I was like, "Guys, I'm gay," and everybody was like, "We love you the way you are." I'm like, "Yeah, I know, cause I'm dope." And then half the people were like, <laughs> "We were waiting. No surprises." I'm like, "All right, well, fuck you guys. <laughs> Nobody asked you your opinion." Um, so it was actually really easy. It didn't phase. It didn't phase me. It it it, it, it this feels so right and so normal, and. I'm in a space where I live by myself and I'm coming into my own and there is no, I can kick you out or I won't love you because I really don't mm-hmm. care now. So it didn't phase me because I'm, I'm content in where I'm at. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so freeing when you truly accept yourself and like you no longer like are trapped by the thoughts of what other people are thinking about you. Like when you, when you don't care what other people think about you anymore, like that's what, that's what makes you dangerous as a human being right there. Mm-hmm. Um, just for you know, other listeners, you know, who might be going through the same thing or gone through the same thing. Like how, when, like, did you realize like years ago that it was possible or was this just like an all like, you know, like, and like a, like a 
out of nowhere type moment? So when I look back on it, I'm like, okay, it wasn't out of nowhere. But when it happened, I was like, what the heck? So I, I had this long time boyfriend that I was like engaged to and for six and a half however many years and then I went from him to like another little like situationship um and I just remember like just not feeling like I could fit or like I belong and I'm just like well maybe it's me or maybe it's the people that I'm attracting or attracted to or whatever and when I tell you I'm so I met my partner at a workout with a mutual friend and I literally saw her and was like mm-mm <laughs> I'm gay. (laughs) There it is. I literally pursued her. And like I said, we've been together ever. It's been a little bit over a year. And I was just like, oh my God. Even she's surprised. Sometimes she's just like, you didn't you you sure you didn't know? Like you're gay. I'm like, I know. She's like, no, I know. You're you're like gay, gay. Like, (laughs) yeah. She's even just like, what the hell? Like, I know that I'm gay, but you're gay. And I'm like, I know. (laughs) <laughs> I love it here. Uh, I was like, I don't know what was going on before. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so that's so dope. I'm so happy for you. So we stop. Yeah. So keep talking because you said you wrote your first. You published your first book after right. you came out. Uh, and yes. then you have a second one. Yeah. So my first book is um, like a healing workbook, and so it's giving you just a, like some things that I've done over the years to really try to build my own confidence and learn to like myself. It's still, you know, a work of progress, but it, the book highlights a lot of the big things I did to really come out of my anxiety, depressive, you know, rut that I was in. Um, and then the second book is called Coming of Age, Whatever That Means. And so as I've been self-reflecting and looking back on some things and whatnot, the second book is a series of short stories and each climax in each story is a different event that actually happened to me, but I've written it in a third person narrative. So it's easier for me to talk about it and to get it out. So it mm-hmm. highlights, you know, some of the sexual assault and a suicide attempt and just all the traumas and dramas that happened to me as I was quote unquote coming of age, you know, 12, 16, 18, 21, you know, kind of important years. Yeah. I'm like, damn, something traumatic happens on all these important years. <laughs> well, here we go. Um, that's actually my favorite book. My second book is my favorite book. No, I, I love that. That's like an awesome way to like, you know, portray and like get across and like even self-heal um, while, yeah. you know, while giving the chance to also help other people. It's, that's amazing. Yeah. It's really difficult to tell a story. Um in the first person when you don't want to necessarily have those emotions come up yeah. again yeah mm-hmm. but to write it in jordan's name or josh's name or justin's name or john's name or you know any of these j names that represent me was so much easier for me to write but then i'm also able to sell the book or give it to people whatever and they can read my story without and resonate with it without me having to relive a trauma over and over again whenever I tell it. Right. That's not what I want to do. I mean, yeah, and regardless of whose name you're telling the story in, like you should be, and I'm sure you are, but so proud of yourself. Uh, it takes so much strength and so much courage to, to do what you're doing. Um, so like, I mean, I think you're amazing um, for it all. So uh, that, that's awesome for real, Jamie. Thank you. Yes. So we 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 asked. Uh, we normally ask this question to everybody. I got two final questions, but uh, the first one is, what's your favorite food? Oh my gosh. Okay, my favorite food is French fries. Ooh. From where? From where? Okay. Oh, shit. oh God! You're gonna make me say it. Oh shit. I love McDonald's french fries. <laughs> I'm not yes. going to lie. Yes. Yes. So, so I think I think so far we've had chicken. We've had chicken. stuffed stuffed shells. Yes. We've had lobster. Um, what did Dut did we ask Dutton? What did Dutt say? I don't even know if we asked Dutt. I don't even think we asked Dutt. So now we got french fries <laughs> on the list. What Yo, no, no. I think, I think at I think at the end of like the year. 
we're gonna we're gonna like try to like invite everybody and we're just gonna have everybody's favorite food like prepped yes Yo, That's if so- you hook me up with a large French fry and a sweet tea, we're gonna be friends forever. Jamie, no, Jamie, no, you're no, a cheap you're a, God. You're you, a cheap I, date and I like it. <laughs> I kid you not. When I was in college, our friends, we would literally drive to McDonald's to get a sweet tea and a large fry and a McFlurry and go home. Like, yes. like that. that oh my was God. It. Yes, no, that was it. All fairborn people. Okay. <laughs> Can I tell you guys a secret that I've never told anyone? Uh-oh. Well, any oh, listeners. So me and me and my girlfriend are like, you know, really healthy. We work out, want a health kick, whatever. But sometimes when I drop her off at work, I'll go to McDonald's and get a sweet tea and a large fry to make worry. <laughs> or if she's already at home, if she's already at home, I'll get it. Yes, I'll get it and I'll eat it in the car and I'll throw the trash away before I walk inside. <laughs> Damn. Yes. I Sorry, love babe. It. <laughs> no, I love it. But I don't, it's something about the fries and it's something about the sweet tea. I will, I, to the day I die, I will get yes. those every, yes. all the time. Um, the the second question I have, and then like, you know, we, you can obviously say whatever and we can close out if you want. Um, but what would you say to any young person that is kind of, either struggling with some things you struggled with or battling some similar things, what would you say to that person about what you've learned and how you can overcome all these things? Oh gosh, that's a loaded question. It is. Um, And then you just take it how you want. Honestly, I would, first and foremost, I would tell that person, um, young adult, whatever, that they're loved that they are valued and they are so much more worthy than what they might think right now outside of whatever their sport they're playing or whatever they're doing or whatever people think. Um, And then I would say that they need to find something that they love, that they identify with, even if it's something they want to be in the future or something right now, that helps them ground themselves. Because far too often when we go through what the things, some of the things that I've been through, whether it's sexual assault, whether you are forced to do something by a parent, whether you hate something, whatever it is, we lose a sense of self or we don't have it. And so if you can find one thing that grounds you, that brings you back to yourself, that brings you confidence or whatever it is, hold on to it, run with it. Um, and also for people listening, whether you're in my town or in another town, whatever the case is, I'm also an open book. So if people have questions or need to confide in me or whatever it is, and they want to go to my Instagram or my website or whatever, I will respond. I will give you advice. I will listen. And I'll validate your existence because oftentimes our existence is not validated. And that's what people need the most. It's to know that they're loved and worthy without having to do anything special or give anything i love it i love it as simple as that i got a little teary eyed absolutely (laughs) as simple as that but um cope you got anything else for us no that that yo i mean we we could talk for hours about this might have to do a part two but uh yes definitely have you back for part two um but yeah no no thank you thank you for 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 joining logging on um like i said we've known each other for a while and to see your growth and to see you know from the outside looking in your growth and then to really get to see the the inside and what all happened um is you're truly a remarkable person jamie you know i love you um Whatever you need from me, please let me know. You are an amazing person. Uh, so thank you so much. Uh, keep doing dope shit. Keep being yourself. Uh, and Period. Yeah, you, you, are, <laughs> you, are, you are the bomb. So appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much for having me on. This was, this was such an amazing experience. This just really filled my cup. Very for cool. sure, for sure. Jamie, thank you once again. Uh, listen up, everybody. Um, follow the page at no underscore bull underscore podcast um share it repost it just do anything these stories can literally save somebody's life you have no idea the impact it has um we are going to post all of jamie's stuff uh her handles and everything but just to reiterate 
It is Finding Jamie, and that is J-A-Y-M-E-E. Her website, findingjamiellc.com. You can go there. You can buy her books. You can check out her Instagram page. It has a lot of amazing stuff. I promise you won't be disappointed. Uh, it's already helped me, and I've just been looking at it for the past couple of days now. So um, thank you guys all for listening. Thank you for stopping in. We uh, appreciate every little bit of support you give us. And uh, until next time. So thank you. Bye.